Welcome to the Signal Line Remote Viewing Podcast, a podcast owned and run by Daz Smith from RemoteViewed.com, the resource for everything remote viewing. This podcast is dedicated to sharing remote viewing related interviews, views, news, resources, and much more. Hi, my name is Daz Smith and welcome to The Signal Line. Today's podcast is a remote viewing community discussion hosted by myself with John Cook and Pam Carnado. These are the president and vice president of Verva, the International Remote Viewing Association. This chat was held on February 26th, 2021. So this evening we have John Cook and Pam Coronado from Irva, the International Remote Viewing Association. They're going to be here tonight to answer your questions and give you a brief overview of Irva. And then we can uh, discuss what Irva has been doing, what it's doing now and what it's going to do in the future. And you can answer any questions that you have. Um, so what I'll do is I'll pass it over to both of them to give you a little bit of a presentation. We can take it from there. All right. Thanks, everybody, for coming, joining us uh, and having us here. I am going to do a few slides just at the start to, uh, to, set, to set things up. And uh, let me get that shared. If, uh, if you've got questions that come to mind uh, during this part, um, we won't be able to see the chat because the, the, uh, the share thing kind of takes over, but feel free to unmute yourself and holler if you see anything. Uh, so we're going to show you a few slides just to go over some stuff about us and uh, take you on a bit of a tour of the website and then, and then we're wide open. So my name is John Cook and I'm the current president of Irva and Pam Coronado is here and she's the VP. And we are with the International Remote Viewing Association. So what is that? Some of this I think you'll have seen because it got pasted into the chat as well from the website. Daz did a great job of putting some links up there. So we're a US-based nonprofit um, of the kind that uh, is the 501c3. So you can, you can um, make donations and get tax credits if you're in the States. But we're dedicated to promoting the responsible use and development of RV. And we are an independently formed nonprofit member organization of scientists, remote viewing pros, students, and other interested persons. We got that just to cover everybody. You can join us just if you're interested. And some of the material that we have, we offer free um, to try to educate the public about the nature and uses of remote viewing. Um, and some stuff we uh, make available to members um, who are supporting us as a kind of a way to keep, keep the lights on and, and keep things going. So why do we need to have something like IRVA? So after uh, things were declassified that the US government had been spending money on, on doing a project involving remote viewing and SI in 1995, there was lots and lots of uh, bad information circulating. And some of the folks that were involved in some of the early research and applications uh, figured that they better get together and try to set the record straight. So um, March 18th, 1999, group of folks meeting in Alamogordo, New Mexico, um, created IRVA. And the primary goal is to provide an unbiased approach relative to 
everything about RV, information, training, research, and education. And these are the folks that were um, meeting uh, there. And we've got uh, left to right Hal Putoff, who co-founded SRI's RV program, David Hathcock, who was an organizing facilitator and funded that first meeting to get everybody together. Uh, John Alexander, US Army Colonel, Special Forces and Intelligence. Lynn Buchanan, former US Army Remote Viewer and Trainer. Paul Smith, former US Army Remote Viewer and Trainer. Skip Atwater, who is the former US Army RV Unit Operations and Training Officer. Dr. Angela Thompson-Smith, who is here with us today as well, um, RV researcher, author, and trainer. Marcello Truzzi, professor of sociology at Eastern Michigan University, and he has since passed away. Uh, Russell Targ, seated in the front there on the left, co-founder with Hal of SRI's remote viewing program, and Stephen Schwartz, an author and remote viewing researcher. And so um, this is one of those photographs um, taken by um, Robert Knight. Um, uh, there was a number of really cool black and white shots um, of luminaries from the field from around those times. Our current board of directors is these folks. Um, there's myself and Pam, Dale Graff, Bill Higgins, Deborah Katz, Sean Mahoney, uh, John Noble, Dr. Angela Thompson-Smith, and Nancy Smith. So these are the folks that um, we'll see at conferences and, and doing stuff. Bottom line stuff, um, just to say we are, this may seem cool, but we're completely volunteers. There is no, um, if I got a thousand people to sign up tomorrow, I would get zero dollars. <laughs> there is no, uh, there's no financial um, benefit to any of us. In fact, I think Pam and Angela would agree that it's probably cost us a substantial amount of money to be involved with Irva because there's just stuff you got to do. Um, but we're in it because we care about the integrity of the field and we care about introducing people to, to the field and giving them good information. And that keeps us going. And the membership fees and donations that happen keep us afloat. They help us fulfill our mission. Um, there's a couple roles um, that do get paid, um, contractors that do uh, like off front office type stuff and, uh, and assist with putting together our magazine. Um, but as far as the rest of us go, we're just doing it for fun. <laughs> Elephant in the room stuff, uh, because I know some, some of you folks are new to the field and some have been around for a really long time. Um, if you've been around for a long time, you'll know that the history of RV includes a lot of personality conflicts uh, over the years. Um, and to be blunt, going back a number of years, Irva and some of its folks have not always navigated that very constructively. That's my subtle um, way of putting that. <laughs> uh, and so a big part of what we've tried to do over the last number of years has been to build bridges, fix bridges, and, and also try to transform our internal culture to be a more positive environment for, for members and for people that just might interact with us. We are not, despite what it might seem like, a methodology-specific organization. Um, we are very much a protocol-specific organization. So if you're, again, if you're new to the field, the, the difference in the two terms might be, might trip you up. Methodology is, is the way that you do, uh, or the, the sort of technique that you use for remote viewing. 
um, whether you're doing CRV, which is extremely um, a popular one and represented by a lot of our folks. Uh, you could be doing HRVG, you could be doing SRV. There's all these different kind of versions of the RV process. And then there's versions that are just completely um, natural or sort of unstructured. And there's folks that do a lot of, a lot of stuff that way. Protocol is what makes remote viewing different than other kinds of SI stuff. Um, protocol sets it up where you're effectively almost doing a, a controlled experiment every time you do an RV thing. So you, you actually come to it with an intention to, we're actually doing something now. Um, typically the, the person doing the viewing um, is blind to what the target is. Um, the gold standard is that there should be feedback at the end to know how it, how it worked and so on. Um, but that's the protocol. That's very specific. And, and, and in, in defining RV, that's, that's a hill that I'm happy to die on um, defending that. But um, methodology is very different. And then there's this famous quote by uh, Joe McMonagall that if you were to be able to stand on your head in a bowl of split pea soup and whistle Dixie through your left nostril while generating good RV data in protocol, he's happy to call that remote viewing. And although I don't think we've had anybody uh, take us up on, on actually doing it that way, uh, maybe, maybe one of you would like to try. And our focus is RV, not RV and. So there's, there's a whole load of different um, things that have kind of gotten attached to RV or sort of subspecializations of RV. Um, and we, we do address those and, and, and in presentations and, and in, in our magazine and stuff, go into that stuff. But it's not, we're not focusing really on any of those. The actual core thing of RV is what our mandate is to, to promote and, and get people aware of. So what kind of things do we do? We run conferences is one thing. We've run 16 since we started. Uh, we publish a magazine called Aperture. And this may be news to some of you, but just in the last week, we've rolled out new membership um, benefit structures and stuff like that. And Aperture is now free, period, to everybody, whether you're a member or not. Um, you can browse all the past issues through the website. Um, and I'll show you how that works in a bit. And, um, and that's how it's gonna, that's how it's gonna stay. And in fact, there's, um, we haven't had one published in, in a while, but we've got a new one coming out very shortly. We have a members only discussion forum. Um, this is on our new recently rebuilt website. The uh, famous CIA archives is hosted on there and it's not just a dump of all the information. It's actually been, been put together with a bit of um, description around it and some guidance to point you at different documents and stuff that might be interesting. We run a um, every so often, uh, I would like to say annual, but it just doesn't work out to annual all the time. There's a thing called the Warcollier Award, which is a grant award uh, that folks can apply for with a, with a sufficiently good idea for remote viewing research. And we pick one project that gets funded to the tune of 3000 US dollars. Um, every time we do one of these, there is a round going on right now. And um, if you've been holding out on, uh, you've got a great idea. Uh, if you submit it by April 4th, um, you've got some chance of being seen there. That's stuff that you can find on the website as well. We run Focal Point, which is a target practice service. Um, board member John Noble runs that. And there's, I believe, a target every couple of weeks 
on there. And there's a little mini discussion forum where you can share your results and people can, uh, you know, celebrate or commiserate <laughs> their results, depending. There's a new thing called Herber Research Unit in the last year that meets monthly. And that is kind of a thing that if you don't feel like you're maybe up to the point of putting in a, a high quality research proposal for work collier, but you want to kind of get your feet wet and learn about research and maybe, maybe actually get yourself in the direction of doing some kind of grant research. Um, this is a group that meets and, and looks at stuff and discusses, um, you know, experimental designs and, and how all that stuff works. And very new is that we are going to start running uh, education programs for members where there's going to be some um, workshops that that members have access to join live and, um, and, and learn uh, some of the basics of things or to kind of dig into specific topics. Uh, we don't even have a lot of detail on this yet because we just decided in the last month that we were doing it. So in the next conference, um, some of us were chatting just earlier on before the where the call started uh, is hopefully going to be this year. We are we are absolutely planning on doing this in person at the Omega Institute in upstate New York. It is going to run September 9th through 12th. And um, so far, we have the following folks that are going to be uh, joining us to speak. We've got Lynn Buchanan and Laurie Williams are going to do a talk. Pam Coronado and Bill Ray are going to do a talk. Patty Gallagher will do a talk, John Kruth from the Rhine Institute, uh, Dr. Angela Thompson-Smith, and Dr. Paul H. Smith will do talks of their own. Tom McNear is going to be joining us, which is a great treat, and Russell Targ is going to be joining us. Plus, of course, we'll have the usual outbounder stuff and all that stuff that we do every year. Uh, you can't read this. I know you can't read this. Don't stress about it. I'm going to show you on the other uh, website, but uh, there is a membership, a tiered membership thing. Um, there's a ton of stuff that's available to everybody who's a member at any level. Um, there are some benefits that come in at, at the higher levels that are pretty cool as well. Uh, our entire website got rebuilt in the last year by John Stoller, who used to be uh, the president of Verba and is quite a technical wizard and took this entire thing on himself to, to rebuild things for us, which we appreciate hugely. And in the last month, we are, um, have done now a, a benefits overhaul. So that is the presentation. And I was gonna take you over to the website. Oh, I guess I shouldn't have unshared there. I'll bring it back, but does anybody have anything they wanna ask before we go to the website. I can just, I'll just start bringing it up now and we can get ourselves over there. Can I pick a question? Yeah, oh, there's chat questions. I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hever's got something to ask as well. Uh, I'm wondering yes, if- I was just wondering whether or not you hold any of your conferences on this side of the river here in Europe. Your side of the river. <laughs> the pond, I should, actually, I should say the pond. It's known as the pond, isn't it? Yes, okay. I'm, I'm in London, England. Do you, have you ever held any of the conferences in Europe? I don't think, did we do Not one? Yet. No, yeah, we haven't yet. And you don't have anything planned? But for the... we have been in talks about doing it. So that was pre-COVID, um, that we were yeah. really actually looking at that pretty seriously. Okay. Um, 
that's something I, that's, you know, in my heart that I really, really want to do. So okay. it is on the table. Right. That was, of course, now we're just struggling to get to New York. So, <laughs> um, um, so we are looking at that in the next okay. few years. Yeah. Thank you. If I can add something to that, um, cause John Cook came to a, a meeting that we arranged in, in London. We had this, mm-hmm. or we did until COVID had this uh, annual meetup in London, um, but it's by invitation only. Um, and we were going to do another one uh, last year and this year. Uh, and th- this year's was going to be in Paris with Alexis Champion. I don't know, but we, you know, maybe we could spitball the idea uh, separately of, you know, because we've got Alexis Champion doing possibly something in, in Paris, us doing our invitation only thing in, in London thing that maybe we could, between all three of us as groups, uh, put our heads together and, and, and do something for Europe. Maybe mm-hmm. you know, London, Paris or, or somewhere around about here anyway. Mm-hmm. I would love that. I would love That'd that. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. Going. Do you want to grab one of the questions, Pam? Yeah. Can you see the questions or would you like me to I, read I them? I yeah. Uh, yeah, I can see them. Um, have you, John, you may have to help me with this. So have you considered creating a trial period for memberships, like the first seven to 14 days free? I'd love to navigate the website as a member to decide what membership level to choose. Yeah, we don't, we don't, the closest that we have to that right now is that if you are, um, you know, over time working your way through with a trainer as a student of RV. Um, you don't have to be like sitting in a classroom right now, but if you're sort of working through a training cycle with, with someone, um, there is a, a one year that you can join and um, it's not renewable. So after the year, you have to decide what you want to do. Uh, but I don't think at, up to this point, we haven't really come up with a thought about that but that is something we could take a note on and see if that makes sense to try to do and how we could technically do it Here's i'm going to take you through the the website a bit now so maybe maybe that'll actually even help you a little bit with knowing what's in there but okay let's answer this one real quick um will the 21 conference also be streamed for those who can't travel intercontinental if not, would you consider streaming keynote speeches? So we will be streaming the conference, yes. We've been doing that for the last few years. Um, and so um, trying to get that out to folks who we know uh, can't make it in person. Anything to add to that? No, no. Yeah, it was one of the things that we uh, we had to make sure that we could do it. Doing it at the Omega Institute this year is a little bit weird because it's normally, you know, we're at a hotel and it's all very clear what we have control over and stuff like that. Um, doing it at an institute like this, we had to kind of double check like everything, <laughs> you know, along the way to make sure that we could do what we wanted to do. But that's that's all cleared so we can do that. A lot of people like the UK idea. I like it yeah. too. I like it. I, I miss being over there. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe I'll I'll throw up the um, the website thing because that might generate some thoughts. Um, oh, that's the wrong screen. It's hard to find good help. Hang on. 
Okay. So this is the landing page of the site and you'll notice up at the top, um, it knows that it's me. Um, so when, when you come to this site as a non-member, um, you're going to have access to most of the same stuff but visually with the navigation and so on. But when you get to certain areas, that then is sort of controlled for depending on your membership um, level. So the first thing I was going to show you is kind of what those membership levels were in that kind of unreadable um, table that I had up on the screen earlier. Um, and so if you want to see that, when you get to the landing page, you just click on the join button and all those details are in, are in the screen that's buried in here. So we'll do that. Um, we've got Russ Targ at the top telling you why this is such a great idea, which of course we agree with. Um, is that big enough for, let's see, I'll try to strike a balance between it being big enough and also that's perfect to scroll too long. So we've got uh, five levels at the moment of, of membership. Um, the one that most people come in at uh, initially is the associate level. And that gives you kind of a, all the basic stuff. Um, and the student level, which is the, it's, which is the one over here, is all exactly the same stuff. So there's, there's no difference between those two, except that the student membership, the idea there, like I said, is that if you're um, working your way through a study program with, a, with an RV teacher, um, and you, you, you have an opportunity through that to have a complimentary year. Uh, as long as you've not been an Urban member before, um, there's not a lot of restrictions on it. It's just that it's, it's not renewable. So you get it for the year and then you have to kind of roll it over into something else uh, and you can't have been a member before. Uh, but you get all the same things as the associate level. So that includes, why don't we just do these first and then, and then we'll go across and talk about the differences. Um, focal point, like I said, is the target practice group. Uh, there's a private discussion forum. The CIA RV archives and the companion guide is there. Um, you get streaming video. This is relatively new. We've expanded this. So you get streaming video access to all past Herba conferences, except for the past three conferences. Uh, and the reason we, we draw a line with some of these is that we um, also, as a way of raising funds to keep the lights on, um, we sell and rent um, videos of, of conferences as well. Um, both, uh, some of them, the older conferences are sold as CDs and some of them are streaming service through uh, Vimeo. You can either buy them or rent them. Um, so, but that's pretty good. You can access basically all the way back to 2000 um, and, and up to at the moment, 2015. Uh, you get a 10% discount on conference registration. Uh, you get access to come to these IRU meetings um, without being nudged every so often and told that you should join. And you get access to these IRVA virtual education programs that we were talking about, which are completely new and we don't even know what they are yet, but we're excited to kind of put together a curriculum there. This associate level is the same. That's the $45 a year. The $100 a year is all the same stuff, except that when we get down to the videos, you get access to everything except the current year, the, the most recent conference year. Uh, you get a bigger discount on the conference. Uh, we had to put an asterisk on this, and I have to be really clear about this for this year. I'll scroll down to it. 
Um, we don't have a way to do these higher levels of discounts for the event that we're doing at Omega um, for logistical reasons. The being at Omega um, is quite different. Hosting it there is quite different than what we're used to, where normally you would book your own hotel, you know, in Vegas or wherever we are, you would, you would do all your own food. You would figure out all sorts of things about being there on your own. At Omega, it's like a one price. You're there, they're feeding you, you have a place to stay. And, and so the, the price tag on paper looks higher, um, but they're providing all that. The flip side of that is that the the little bit of money that we, <laughs> as Irva, get to take home, um, if we were to give more than a 10% discount, we would actually be in the red. <laughs> so we can't, we, we just don't have a way to do these. But after this year, these uh, all these kind of additional um, discount values are going to kick in. So. We wanted to have it up on the website, but we have to be really careful that people understand that that's kind of the deal for this year. So normally then the tasker level, which is hundred dollars a year is gonna get 15% off. You still have access to the IRU meetings. You get access to all this um, stuff. We're gonna start having special live and recorded online meetings um, specifically for tasker level and above where you get to hang out with remote viewing luminaries. And I think by remote viewing luminaries, I mean people more uh, interesting than me, basically, um, and Q&A sessions with them and so on. Uh, and there will be kind of in-person private gatherings of the same sort at the physical conferences that you'll get access to. You get listed on the website, which is good for bragging rights. Um, and that's that level. The sustainer level, which is hefty, it's $500 a year. Um, has similar stuff. Uh, differences would be that you just get all the conference videos, period. You get a 20% discount on conference registration every year. Um, let's see, everything else is largely the same, except that you automatically have complimentary access to the live stream that's going on during um, an in-person conference. Uh, during the window of time. Usually what we do is there's a live stream of the conference. Everybody has a couple of weeks to, to kind of look at the archive of those in case you can't sit through the entire weekend. Um, so you just get you just get access to those every year, like automatically. And then the lifetime uh, membership, um, which is fantastic when people support us at a level that they, they believe in us enough to do this, um, has all the same things, uh, 25% discount on the conference. Um, basically all the same, all the same things going down here um, and, and you're getting listed on the website and you get the, the constant live streaming. So that's kind of boring because it's just a big table, but that gives you an idea of what those are and you can get into those through this, um, this join button on the home page. Um, so I'll just take you on a quick spin through the website so you can see what some of these things uh, look like. One of the big things is this library. Um, I'm going to go into the Aperture magazine section first. And I'm not going to take you through every page, so don't worry. I'm just going to kind of get used to this. <laughs> and now page 307. So um, this previously was... was um, set up differently, but now when you come in here, you see kind of a, a summary view on the one side of the cover, a little bit of a table of contents, and you have links 
to either look at it here on the site or you can still, some people really like the idea of the physical copy, so we didn't want to take that away, but we're no longer going to be, um, it's no longer a membership thing, uh, getting access to the physical copy. It's, um, it's available to everybody, but everybody can go to MagCloud and, and buy that. But when you uh, click on, you want to view it, it opens up a viewer, which we'll just give it a second in the background to actually get some of the pages going. And you can just use this little interface to flip through in a nice way and, um, and look at the whole magazine, which is pretty cool. And that is now available. Just get myself out of here. To the world. Yeah, everybody. Well, I may be permanently in this page. Give me a sec. Here we go. Oops, I hit too many, too many buttons. So that was the first issue, and it just you can see here that this goes all the way back to um, all the way back to the beginning when it looked like this, which was awesome in its day, but. Uh, kind of go for a little bit of a, a cooler visual now. So that's neat. Uh, there's a section for just some remote viewing related articles and papers. Um, there's a section here of remote viewing videos, but these, these are not the conference videos. These are just kind of interesting um, things that we're linking you to uh, that you might find. You might find interesting. Uh, the conference videos. So you have to be logged in to the website to get to this. And um, now that because I am, um, and because it's treating me as though I'm a lifetime member at the moment in the system, um, we can look, for example, at the 2020 conference, and we can see that there's these talks and I can click on this and it immediately will just pop up a um, pop up a thing and, and we'll be able to actually like sit there and, and watch these videos and you just you just you have access to them. There's Bill Ray uh, giving a really cool shared talk with Pam and Sean. And these go all the way back to 2000. So you've got access to all of that. The CIA Stargate Archives um, is a massive <laughs> data repository that when we when we moved the website over, John Stoller had to do a lot of work to get that all moved over onto the new servers and everything like that. But it comes with a cool kind of guide that comes with it that gives you a little bit more context um, to a lot of things than than just you know here's here's a million PDFs on your lap, which is kind of kind of nice. Uh, let's see, what else have we got? Um, under research, you can find information about the Orver Research Unit, like we were discussing, and you get details about um, when the meetings are, or at least how to get into them, roughly when they are. Um, the Warcolier Prize, which I'll hype again just briefly because um, it is uh, April, April 4th is when um, we want this, and it's a prize that's named after Rene Wercolier, who was a pioneer in parapsychology. Um, this this three thousand um, dollar 
award that people get is co-funded by IRVA and by Iris Intuition in Paris. We split on that and um, there is a, uh, a, side, a panel of um, experts. Some of, the, some of the folks are provided by Iris and some are provided by um, folks from our side who, um, who take a look at research proposals and it's all done very carefully where they've, they've blinded themselves to who the people are and so on. And they're just trying to look at research proposals on their merit. And, uh, and then they, they make a decision and, and uh, your project gets funded and, um, and you get to um, either write a uh, article for Aperture describing it when it's over or come present at the conference. Uh, is there anything, Pam or Angela, that you think I should highlight in here? Or is that pretty much? It's pretty good. I mean, maybe the fireside chats. Oh yeah, where are they? Under, maybe they stuck them in the video. Oh, it's right there, right under fireside chats. We'll be doing more. <laughs> yeah. So this is a thing we started doing a year, a little bit more than a year ago, I think, periodically, um, where we get uh, we get folks uh, in that people would like to sit down and have a chat with. I think they're usually about an hour and a half, and um, um, they're pretty good. We don't actually have a fireplace or anything like that, but I have that like chair, so that's what we've that's what we've done in the past. But these are these are pretty good. And up to this point, these have been free, and I think these are going to continue to be free. So the the Q and A stuff that we were talking about with with RV uh, luminaries is like another like a separate um, set of things for members. John, I have um, some questions in the chat about the the, the conference. Yeah. Um. Uh. The first, well, two questions, and they they can be put together here one asked is is there a participant limit uh for the for the omega conference and someone asked a uh what's the price as well for the omega conference i don't know if we know that yet um we know we know in general that there's going to be a bit of sticker shock with it because um you know whereas in in my head anyway when i go to an Irva conference i i i know i'm going to spend a certain amount per night at the hotel for the hotel room that could be like three, four, $500 possibly. And then I'm going to have my food and all that kind of stuff. So all of that basically is provided by them in a one shot thing. So we don't, we don't know what that is yet, but it's going to be, um, I feel like it's going to be a, <laughs> people are going to have an initial gasp, but then when they think it through, realize that it's actually kind of the same as going to a conference. So hopefully uh, the registration for that will all be done through Omega. So I'm not sure when that kind of stuff will be finalized and up. Um, we've got a whole bunch of information we have to get them shortly okay. about the conference, but hopefully we'll. And the and participation limit, you mean like number of people? Yeah. Um, so what they've told us is that they're, that facility, I don't know how many of you have seen it or are familiar with it, but there are a lot of different uh, venues kind of within the within the facility. And they have been able to host like enormous things before. Um, and so what they've said is that they're going to wait till later in the year to kind of assign us to the bucket that we're going to be given. So if a lot of people sign up at the beginning, it's no problem. They'll just, um, they'll just give, give us a bigger, bigger space. Great stuff. And like, I had a look for the website here and like, 
I couldn't at first glance find any details about the conference. Is it is it on the website here or has it got a separate website? Uh, the the detail so the detail that I brought up with the speakers and so on, that's probably the first time that's been kind of out there. Um, so we're we're going to um, we'll have a conf- we'll have conference pages on the website kind of really splashy, easily to find easy to find and so on. But uh, yeah. And for most of the people here at being all the uh, all the normal Facebook groups and, and yeah. And, yeah. yeah. We'll be waving that around as well. Yeah. Uh, oh, I guess what I should mention too, is that um, under the shop uh, menu here, uh, even for people that aren't members, obviously the DVD and streaming, whoops, DVD and streaming video page is how you can find um, all the conferences uh going back quite a ways and any of the ones in say the last four years or so, um, they're primarily being provided via Vimeo as a streaming service. You can either buy it and your account on Vimeo just, you know, holds the account much like if you bought a movie on iTunes or, um, you know, Google movies or whatever that's called, uh, or you can rent them. So, if I go into, um, say, we'll just click in so that we'll get transferred over to um, the Vimeo site. And you see this is the 2020 conference that we that we just did. And um, all the talks are there. And you've got little different pricing options between renting them and, and watching them. And we tried to, tried to make it kind of, you know, fair for how, how the pricing is done. Um, and then in earlier years, kind of going back, there's um, other talks as well. Uh, we haven't, at some point, you know, the intention is to kind of walk back so that even really old stuff um, can be gotten through Vimeo because that seems to be what people want now. And not, I don't, I don't actually have anything to to play a physical DVD on in my house anymore. So um, we'll be kind of kind of back back walking those to get more and more those on but even the earlier uh, the earlier years are still available in here to buy but the links are to the service that generates the dvds so i just gotta make sure you watch what you're clicking on there i have a question in the chat window about um the possibility for your educational videos uh, the mm-hmm. questions asked um would it be courses in, in remote view, viewing, like mini courses? Yeah. So I know that um, John uh, Noble, um, who's one of our board members, and he's, he's also written a book uh, about natural remote viewing, which is kind of his, his approach to, uh, you know, a version of remote viewing methodology that's definitely informed by all the more complex systems, but also it's just kind of a an easy thing that a person can pick up. I think he's actually working on putting us together a, uh, a little talk that he's that he's going to do. So that that might be one of the first ones um, that's done as soon as he's got that available. Uh, and then I expect um, we don't even have this worked out yet, but I expect there will kind of be a little sub area in the website, and and there'll be archived versions of those things for members, and but probably also an opportunity to take part uh, live as well. And if you guys have ideas on subjects you'd like us to cover, talk about, Mm -hmm. uh, we are completely open to uh, your input. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Can I butt in for a second? Yeah, go Mm -hmm. ahead. Oh, Uh, God, Paul's here. Paul's here. (laughs) 
hey, I couldn't let you be here loose by yourself, Pam. Um, so I don't know if you guys have done this, but feel free to link that uh, that one YouTube video I've got, uh, how to do a simple remote viewing. I mean, that might be a nice introductory thing. Oh, yeah. I wonder if John has done that already. Uh, maybe it's not. Just, just an idea. So Yeah, I'll make a note of that because that's good. We'll, we'll harass Paul into doing something for us, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and one of the things um, that uh, Paul has done for the last few conferences is run a, uh, a little um, introduction to RV workshop just at the start of the conference that lets people uh, get a little bit of the history if they don't, if they don't know that stuff, but also learn um, some of the do's and don'ts and, and how to do simple sessions and then get an opportunity to, to, do, to do some stuff. And the feedback um, from that has been like super positive. And uh, we've, had, we've had some trouble with managing the, the rapid um, registrations for it. The, the one year in Las Vegas, we actually had to, we thought we could do a board meeting just in advance of the, uh, the conference and we ended up having to completely abandon the meeting and just run out there and start managing all the people registering at the table. So it's very popular. Yeah, and, and one thing to add about that, um, that is not included in the conference fee. Um, I donate that time and but they charge a, a modest registration fee. The goal is to raise additional funds to help defray the cost of the uh, conferences. People don't realize how much it costs to put these conferences on. And so uh, yeah. I figure might as well help, you know, just a couple hours out of my time, might as well help uh, offset the expenses. So, um, yeah. so anyway, it, it's therefore worth everybody's while, I hope. Yeah. Yeah, we appreciate it because some, some years, uh, the, the conference is a, it's borderline whether we're going to lose money <laughs> on running it. And uh, we love, we love doing them. And actually a lot of people say that it's one of the, one of the big reasons that they want to be members is the, you know, the opportunity for community. So, um, you know, as much as we've done online stuff in the last little while of necessity, uh, we're certainly not trying to replace um, getting back to like sitting across the table from each other. Looks like John's here too, John Noble. Oh, hey, John. Hi, hi. Can you can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. See me? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah. So I'm doing exactly that. That sort of a basic. In, the, my first. I'm going to do two courses. Uh, I know we're going to do others. We've spoken about. You know, people have been throwing around ideas, and yeah, we're open to ideas completely. The first one I'm going to do is going to be op actually open to everyone, uh, the public as well, and it's really going to be a very very basic what is remote viewing just sort of like set that straight uh plus uh, a practice session so we, you know we'll we'll run through a target and i plan to sort of i'm happy to do these on an ongoing basis and i'll try i think we should try and do things at different times to to capture different uh time zones mm -hmm. and then the the second one i'm going to do is is would be for for members and it would be you know just a slightly same sort of thing, but slightly, you know, uh, more advanced sort of like things to think about and things to, to, to do. Cool. Thanks. And as, as you're there, John, maybe I'll pull up the, um, maybe I'll pull up the, um, the focal point. So we mentioned this a few times. This is the, the, the target, um, 
practice um, thing. This is, it, it sort of functions as a little discussion board all on its own, but it's, it's, it's separate within the, within the page. I'm not gonna click on any of these because, um, because I don't wanna spoil the target for any of you, but um, this is the current, uh, this is the current target that is up and um, members have access to this page and they uh, can look at this and they can prepare their sessions and, um, and send them in. And we keep an archive as well of all the prior ones, which I will also not click on um, individually going back a bit and then even older ones. And if I, if I did click on them, you would see that there's the, the feedback information on the target. And then there's like a little discussion thread underneath where people are able to upload their results and, um, and be angry or happy or whatever, whatever comes of that. And John manages this uh, for Urba. And these are, how would you describe these targets, John, in terms of complexity and um, skill? The, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty strong targets. They're quite sort of definitive, strong sort of, mm, most of them lo are locations, but don't let that, you know, don't take that on too much. But but most of them are a very sort of fairly strong sort of images. Um, you know, there's, there's, there tends to be one sort of central thing that, that that's there. So, so they're good sort of, you know, good, good sort of basic mid-level targets, I'd say. Okay. And I guess too, I should click on the forums link and I guess that'll be the last thing I probably show um, in the website, unless anybody has anything specific. So you'll remember that for years we had uh, a Yahoo uh, group online uh, that was sort of an email, uh, email server kind of of the old of the old type where if um, if you post something everybody everybody got emailed that email and then if if somebody replied to it everybody got that email and um, it could get pretty exciting uh, if, it, if a conversation was getting um, you know a little heated or, or something and people are replying to different things at different points in the thread and there was no no coherence to and you're like i think we covered this already but it's it just keeps iterating so now that's all gone and members as part of their membership have access to the um to the forum now on here and um it's possible to kind of just have a conversation where uh, things are organized into the actual topic and um, much more modern sort of style of, of chat. So that's, that's a nice um, update as well. And that's a members only thing. So I know sometimes online RV discussion can, can kind of, you know, go a little bit wild. And, and also if, if you would prefer to have a conversation with people that are all talking kind of about the same language and concepts, um, and then you just got somebody that jumps in with, um, you know, how they, something, you know, just some, some random side thing that has nothing to do with RV and you have to sift through all that. So this, this is uh, lightly moderated and, uh, and, you know, has lots of good stuff and we'll have even more. So I think that's everything I was going to show with the website, unless anybody wants to look at anything or see anything particular that's like a members only area that you want to see. Otherwise, I'll turn the screen sharing off so that it's not uh, so we all see each other again. I have some more questions that have come in. Uh, one's from Richard Mahoney. Uh, has Irva made plans to try to encourage younger people to get involved in RV? 
Um, have any universities or college student unions been approached, maybe running RV information workshops? Yeah, we had um, one, one thing that we started to do was that um, uh, we had a, a donation uh, that Gail Husick did in, in one year to, um, for, it was called the Lynn Buchanan, um, what was the formal name of it? The, the Lynn Buchanan, it was basically a grant to try to get um, some younger researchers that are actually working at universities to, uh, to, to join and to, to come out and so on. Um, we're certainly trying to, that's of course the big, the big problem, I think with a lot of organizations is trying to catch a younger audience, which we definitely need to do if we intend to be running, you know, 10 years from now. Um, so input on that is welcome as well. Uh, well, we did have, so we had the Lynn uh, Buchanan grant and we mm -hmm. had a winner. Uh, we had some research and they were going to present at the conference. All of that was going to be announced and everything was going to happen uh, in March, 2020. <laughs> and obviously uh, none of that happened, but uh, yeah. But that is a focus for us is to outreach to universities and um, the younger crowd to we know that um, we have to pass the baton. So we are trying to continue to find ways to outreach younger folks. But if you have any ideas, Richie, um, we would love to hear them, too. Okay, I have some more questions. Um, yep. One uh, from uh Dimi, uh, for John Cook, at your presentation at the 2018 Irva conference, there was yep. a question about ways that could more clearly distinguish between imaginary or virtual unreal targets. You oh, said yeah. then that there are not enough uh, experiments in this regard. Do you yep. have any news in this regard? Uh, just that I'm still hoping that we do some research like that. <laughs> we were chatting before, you know, before the before this started, uh, and um, I was kind of hoping it would come up because I I think I really think this is probably one of the most important topics. Um, you know, needing a solid research, we're definitely past, um, you know, the the old project mindset of um, let's do another project to see if RV works. That's like well, that's super cool but like like most of us know that <laughs> you know we're we're past that now we don't need endless iterations of that but how it works you know like at the at the beginning um of the program at sri they were they were working on trying to figure out some of that stuff like ruling things out you know everybody thought it was electromagnetic at first and so you've got pat price stuffed in a faraday cage and you've got um i think at a later point you've got folks on submarines um you know, deep under, deep under water where, um, you know, theoretically the bit rate of information flow, if it were EMF would be like so low that you couldn't get it. And it, it didn't matter, you know? Um, so I think at some point, you know, folks realized that, well, we don't really know how it works. Um, and that's left a lot of questions open, uh, especially when we get into these kind of topics like like we were talking about. And the conference before that, before the 2018, uh, Daz and Pam and I did a little panel thing talking about um, some of those same issues. I think the problem is that the research that you would have to envision to get to the bottom of some of these questions is really complex. Like if you think about, um, and for those that maybe don't know what the talk was about that we were referring to, there's this, this uh, idea of tasker 
or viewer um, bias coming into a, a remote viewing session, um, particularly if it winds up being that the target is not a real thing. I think we've all heard the kind of the, the stories of, um, you know, uh, Santa Claus um, being a really cool target to work and how that, how that works. Um, we don't really, we don't know how that, we don't know how that works. And although, um, you know, there's a lot of folks who will swear that they can identify the difference between data that's, that's coming from, from imaginary versus real targets, uh, you kind of have to take their word for it because there's not been proper research uh, done. And what's going on there would be a really fundamental question. So um, it would be super complicated to try to work it out and probably require a really large effort. But um, I think it's one of the big questions that needs to be worked through. It's a fascinating question. It's one of my favorite questions. As I mm -hmm. see it come up in my classes quite a bit, where, um, you know, there's definitely some sort of um, tasker interference sometimes. You know, I've had a, I had a, a situation where I had given a practice target to my class and every single student, every single student missed it and they went to the same place. And um, crazy enough, they went to um, a case that I was working on. <laughs> and I happened to be super emotional about that situation in the moment or that week, I was very emotional about it. And um, every single student and I, and it wasn't just a few, it was probably like 12 people, all 12 people went to that wrong target and described it um, as if it were the target. So it's a fascinating subject to me how mm -hmm. that happens. Daz, any comments? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, thank it's a... It's thank, a you, um, thank you very much. It's a project of mine that I've been um, working on for a while. And I, I still have a, uh, a very large project that might help confirm it in some way. I did a, a five-target project on it where I had, uh, I had a, a, t a test target, which was just a random target. Mm -hmm. But then I had two other targets um, that were set um, I won't see what they are right now until I, I release it, but each of those targets had different taskers on it with, with opposing viewpoints. Um, and they were imagined, not imaginary targets, but they were targets with not solid feedback. Um, and I wanted to see if the viewpoint at the tasker uh, affected the people doing the remote viewing sessions on it. And I have to be honest, uh, because of the COVID thing last year, I haven't analyzed the data on it. Uh, and that's because, of, you know, it's well into like 200 RV sessions as well. So it's a lot of work there, but hopefully I will get around to it and see, see if there's any, anything there. But uh, I had a quick look at it and I, I did see some, some similarities that did indicate that the taskers uh, viewpoint on the target may have in, influenced the data that came through from, from the viewers, but it's not, it's not confirmed yet. We have some more questions here. Um, oh, I saw one just now. Uh, it was for Pam. Uh, can you share an interesting crime case that you helped solve? Sorry, my dog's barking. Uh, <laughs> bad timing. Um, uh, well, um, you know, I always say this. I don't, um, 
believe that I solve crimes, please do. I'm just a tool to um, help them out and put them in the right direction and, and add insight and that kind of thing. So uh, rarely will you hear me say that I've solved a crime. Um, though probably about a month ago, um, I was involved in finding uh, the body of a missing woman um, and we were able to lead the sheriff's department there so that they could make the recovery. So that was just, uh, just about a month ago and here in Southern California. Excellent. And another question is, uh, I, I guess this is for anyone involved uh, in the talk tonight. Is anyone developing any remote viewing for healthcare? guess that would be a no then i'm not so <laughs> and i don't know anyone who is uh to be honest i think lynn does a medical there's, there's application still class, a problem with that oh sorry yeah well i suspect angela and i were going to say the same thing um well that's a, a well go ahead angela i'll, I'll defer oh i was just gonna say there's a yeah there's some problems with the ama um you have to be really really careful doing medical rv that you have to use disclaimers etc um because you cannot diagnose or prescribe or um, do anything in the, unless you're a, a qualified, certified medical practitioner. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of remote viewers kind of shy away from that topic. And, and there's a, a challenge as well in just doing the research, um, because in order for it to be accepted as credible, you have to have some kind of institution home for it, right? You have to have a... Uh, Oh, I'm blanking on the panel. You have to have a human use board anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. and you have to, uh, you can't, in fact, you can't, you can get in legal trouble if you don't have that, if you're experimenting with it, right? And, um, and so there's all these hoops you have to jump through. And there are some kinds of research you can do as a private person. And, and lots of folks in parapsychology do that. But things like medical research is, there's lots of little sticky wickets that get you in all kinds of trouble if you don't, if you're not able to do that. Not to mention the fact it's a pretty expensive thing to to do that kind of research. So, another question from the chat is from Donna. Uh, she asks, "Is there a list of topics that Irva would like to see researched?" Well, I think you you know mine now. <laughs> Might be a good, uh, might be a good, uh, a good idea to get get a poll out there or or a questionnaire on on Facebook or on the the website to ask mm -hmm. for some solicitations on that. I think. Yeah, and I guess maybe that's a good point to bring up that you know Irva itself doesn't do any research. Um, we kind of are, are we facilitate it. We try to facilitate it. Um, the, the grant money, for example, that that helps somebody who wins the War Collier uh, gets them going. But we've, I think we did one research project quite a number of years ago where we were doing stuff with random event generator um, systems. But other than that, we mostly don't do our own research. We kind of facilitate. Correct. Um, can I say something, Daz? I'm one of Lynn's students and I sort of um, specialize in the medical applications part of things without being medical. Um, and I don't um, offer any medical advice or anything medical, but what I, I can do through through the Lynn's office building and 
through the Mongolian writing, I can get the information from the subject and we can send in information. So you're receiving information from the subject, but you can also put information in to help them, to persuade them to heal themselves. But you have to add that if the body isn't capable of healing, that the body is the best healer we'll ever have. If the body isn't capable of healing itself, we have to put in the proper nutrients and, and like baking a cake, the proper ingredients to make the, the thing uh, work. And there's another student of Lynn's, John, John Baldwin, who is a microbiologist by trade and runs a health shop. And he, with me, we, we can find out what's wrong with somebody. They still go to their own doctor and, you know, we never say stop doing any of their medical treatment, but we can persuade them to um, and persuade the body to heal a bit quicker because it's the body that will do the healing. So even today we got news that a guy who has um, prostate cancer, his, his, his readings were at 135, which should have been which should have been five. And in seven weeks, it's gone from 135 down to 5.36. That was just confirmed today. So we know that it works, but the body has to have the right ingredients for it to work. So it's only a persuasion as opposed to a medical thing. Lynn is there if he wants to say some more on that. Is he here? I can, I can yeah. stay. Yeah. Can you hear me? There yep. you are. Okay. Um, yeah. Originally, I was working with a man named Sabley Saba out in California, who was um, taking, uh, finding doctors who would work with people to test out alternative healing methods, you know. And so it was, it was licensed and all that. Uh, Sabley has uh, passed away. And uh, so I don't think anybody else is doing that now. But I think Paul and I both have medical applications courses where we do not teach you to, you know, go out and heal people, uh, but to, um, uh, you know, find out what's wrong uh, and, uh, and, you know, see if you can help a person get to the right doctor something like that. Um, I don't know if Paul is still teaching his or not. I haven't taught mine in um, about three years now because uh, of uh, my life situation and all that being uh, more than semi-retired. But um, uh, Paul might want to say something about that. I, I think he has a horse. And uh, I have one too. So, uh, but we do not. We're very careful about the legal ramifications of it. You have to be. Paul. <laughs> Paul may have stepped away for a minute. Uh, he'll be back. Okay. Is anyone else? Anyone there got anything they want to add or ask on this on this topic? Well, can I can I answer uh, Julie Julie Tasker? Um, she's in the UK, and in the UK they have complementary therapists who are non-conventional 
um, and um, are allowed, if they become registered, they're allowed to work with patients in an unconventional uh, format. Uh, we don't have that here in the States. So if we had that, I think it would be much easier for RFB to be applied to health issues, um, but we're not there yet. Okay, uh, did someone else have something they wanted to ask? Heather had a question. Um, do, you, do any of your other students have RV? Uh, well, they will have if they're members. Um, what I should say, actually, is um, has any of your RV students studied medicine or do have medical backgrounds? And if so, you could work with them as or alternative therapists as well. Uh, to whom are you asking that question? Or anyone, Irva, um, the people who run Irva? Uh, we, have, we, have many doctors, we have many doctors who have come for RV okay. and uh, of, of all different uh, uh, forms of the, you know, parts of the medical establishment. And okay. uh, not only physical, but also uh, uh, mental uh, mental studies, you know, psychiatrists, psychologists, and all that. Okay. We have, I have a lot of students. And have they, sorry, have, oh, that's wonderful. Have they used um, RV on, or have they, do you know whether or not they've used RV on their patients or researched oh, yeah. themselves? Yeah, or they, they have. Were, they oh, report back that they have. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. And that it has helped them. Now, they don't heal with it. Basically, they use they use it to to find information. Um, you know, remote viewing is not a is not remote influencing. Remote viewing is finding information, okay. and they use that to get additional information about their patients. All right. Uh, to to then use regular methods to uh, help them heal. All right. Okay, that's lovely. Okay, one more question. Let's see if I can sneak one in. Um, the courses on this, I'm, I'm relatively new. I'm studying with um, Laurie Williams. I'm on the intermediate level, so I'm relatively new. But it would be wonderful at some point next year or the year after to get into the health side. Um, I am an alternative therapist. Um, so what are the courses? Who, who runs the courses? Lynn, do you or John, Pam? Where can I find information on the courses if you run them? Um, Lori does. Uh, oh, she also, does. Um, uh, Colleen Marinich up in Canada. Okay. Paul O'Connor over in Ireland. Uh, okay. Coral Corte over in Italy. Okay, there's quite a few. All righty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. that's lovely. Thank you. And you can always email us. Um, you guys can always get us through the website. If you have general questions to Irva, you can always email us through our website and um, John and I see those emails and we do our best to answer. So thank you. Thank you very much. Right, John? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it is so wide open that sometimes it's quite exciting what comes into the mailbox. It is exciting. Yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I just make a, another little mention about um, Gail Husek ran a um, a project one time um, in relation to, it was a blind task and I was one of two viewers 
Um, she gave the, this thing in, in Erva two years ago, I think, about the mm. uh, twins. We didn't know anything about twins, but mm. we got all the information about what happened to these. It turned out to be autistic twins. And both of us got that it was connected with milk and, and injections, you know, vaccines or whatever. But how I know how powerful this is, is I knew the person I was talking to, I didn't know it was a 14-year-old boy, but I knew mentally the person couldn't speak. I knew that much. So I said, and I knew this was my final tasking. So I said to the, the person, tell me something about yourself that your loved ones will know that it's coming from you and it's not my imagination. That's exactly what I wrote down. I can't remember what the information I got back, but when the report went to the family, they started to cry immediately because they knew it was their son talking. So that's how powerful the medical apps, for the want of a better word, is, is, is so important and helpful to people. You can get the information out and now we're putting information back in to help the people help themselves. Uh, Daz, aren't you having a uh, one of these with uh, Gail pretty soon? Uh, yes, uh, a couple of weeks. I think maybe next week, actually. Uh, let me just check my sheet here. Bear with me a second. Uh, i got so much on my desktop here at the moment. Um, but yeah, she's coming on to talk about uh, her, her business application. So yeah, she could probably go into that and Alexis Champion's coming on the same night as well to talk about what he's doing. Yes, uh, I think that's next week, if I'm correct on this. Uh, I can't find the talks on my desktop, but I've got so much open with all these windows here. But yes, coming up soon. More help questions here. Lynn, stay put. Yeah, there's lots of health-related comments in the chat there. Uh, does anyone have anything they want to actually talk about here? With the, or should we go to the health questions in the chat window? I have a question for Pam, but it's not about the health-related, if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so uh, Pam, I've uh, been on your website, and uh, I see that you were into some, you know, um, perception courses and uh, channeling some things and whatever. And I heard somewhere, I don't remember where, that when you do um, remote viewing, you don't turn, do any channeling. You turn that off somehow. But I guess when you do channeling, you're not doing remote viewing. And this brings up the question, which I'm dying to get an answer, is how do you perceive the difference between one and the other? What Good is it? question. That... Does that make okay. sense? Good question. Yeah. Um, I do not um, do channeling and uh, generally uh, I try to set aside any sort of influence coming from a spirit themselves in uh, the work that I do. I think that's what you're referring to. Um, how do I tell the difference? Whew, that's a whole, that's a whole lecture in and of itself. No, I'm dying to know this. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, those who do controlled remote viewing, uh, it's a whole different process. So it's done on paper. It's a step-by-step -step protocol. It happens um, step-by-step-by-step. And 
Um, so you definitely know that you are not, um, you are not in that same sort of receiving mode uh, because you're following this sort of step-by-step-by-step -step -step process. So it's, it's quite a different modality there. Um, in my regular um, psychic functioning, I still um, separate that out in a way that um, I'm not receiving first-person information. So a lot of times, you know, if I were asking about a person who was missing, um, I would be trying to gather information about that person, not asking them, where are you? Tell me what happened to you. Um, connecting with that sort of energy. I'm um, trying to pull in uh, more universal information about that particular person. Does that make sense? So are you asking mental questions and then waiting for an answer? Correct. Okay. And then uh, when you're doing remote viewing, you're not necessarily asking any questions. You're doing an ideogram and then doing probing it and getting perceptions that way. Correct. Do they, how should I phrase this, sound the same? Does what sound the same? The, well, the, when something pops into your mind, do you hear it as words? Is there, are you, you know, is it the same sort of sound or uh, are you getting visuals on one or just perceptions on one, but like words in another? So is this my, one of my favorite questions? Um, one of my favorite, uh, I hope we're not boring everybody. <laughs> one of my favorite <laughs> questions though is, um, you know, Receiving is receiving. So I don't care what I don't care what type of work you want to do. If you want to do medical work, if you want to do remote viewing, if you want to do psychic detective work, um, even mediumship, it doesn't matter what type of work you you want to do. Receiving is receiving. So you're going to receive information either visually um, through uh, clairaudience, which is, you know, hearing words, hearing sounds. Um, thoughts, uh, sometimes, you know, the physical um, clairsentience type feelings. So all of that, um, it's, you know, receiving is receiving is receiving is what I always say. So if I'm in psychic mode, I'm still going to hear things and see things and perceive things very similar to the way I would be doing uh, in remote viewing, it's just a different access and a different process. Okay. All right. That's answers my question. Thank you. Oh. Yeah, and it's structured too. Uh, uh, for example, back on the healing, but also on this, um, I guess about three weeks ago, I got a request from a friend uh, up in uh, Ohio who uh, was having medical problems and wanted me to look into it. And um, uh, you observe and you report what you find out so you can ask questions and all that. And uh, so I did a full session and I kept finding this underground tube uh, that led out to another building. And uh, so, um, when I talked to her the last time, I said, uh, uh, where's your air conditioner? And she said, it's in the garage. 
and the, there was a, a duct going from the garage in. And uh, I said, uh, I keep finding uh, some kind of black stuff around the edges of your garage. Can you take a look at that? And uh, uh, she had someone come in and she had mold in the garage. The air conditioner was picking up the gases from that mold, feeding it into the house. The house didn't have any mold, but uh, she was reacting to that. And so uh, uh, there was no healing going on there. There was just observing a problem and giving information and that information helped her find the cause and correct it. So uh, something like that, but it's very structured so that you can ask questions, observe the answer, get the answer. And uh, the answer doesn't always come from the person. They come from the site. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Thank you. I hope that helps answer. Yeah, I'm so, getting the feeling here. Yeah. Can I, 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 I'd like to break in and it change, totally change the subject because I, I want to acknowledge somebody who most of you have never heard of. Lynn knows him um, and Angela, I think. Yes, Angela. So David Hathcock, who was the guy that was, and you'll see how this fits in. He was the guy that's of, of anybody most responsible for Irva existing. Um, I, I just got off the phone with him. He's not doing well health-wise, but he's an amazing person. He he is taking remote viewing classes from me, from Lynn, uh, maybe Dames. From me. I can't, I can't, yeah, from I Angela, too. <laughs> from Angela, yeah. yeah. Um, and he's he's actually interacted with most of the major people in the field, from Dean Radin to Joe McMoneagle to um, Hal Putoff to all these folks. Um, he had a uh, regional telecom company that he sold and retired, and so he had some money to play around with. Um, but he also had restrictions. Uh, I won't explain what those restrictions are on how he used his income. So when it came time to form Irva, it was largely his idea. He's really the guy that came up with the idea. And um, and he wanted to help fund the original founding meeting, Um but he had to come up with money from an alternative source. And so he had restored this antique car that he absolutely loved. And it was worth a lot of money. He sold that car to fund the foundation of Irva. So I just want to give him some credit since I just talked to him. He was fresh in my mind. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he was a great guy. And he may actually have something in the upcoming issue of Aperture, the 20, 20 year anniversary Aperture, uh, uh, most of us who, well, some of us at least, not everybody's responded, but uh, those of us who have were some of the original founders, we've been asked to submit something, you know, uh, what we think about or, or why we think it's important or whatever. So anyway, there you go. You can go back to your other, other discussion now. I'm going to have yeah, to leave pretty quick. So when I sign off, uh, uh, sorry. Yeah, I'd only just heard that story about him selling his car. I didn't know that at the time, but that was uh, very generous of him. I think Paul jumped. I have a question. Well, not a question. Yeah, for I guess for 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 John and, and Pam here. Um, 
there are quite a lot of people here that are, you know, very active within the uh, online Facebook and social media RV communities. You know, you, uh, there's what 48 people here, and quite a lot of them are very active. What would you What would you like from us as a, as a community to be able to give to Irva? What you know, what, what would you like us to do, or other than you know maybe join up and stuff? Is is there anything else or anything more? we can we can help with or promote or or help her uh, in in any way john i'll let you go first well i mentioned earlier that um you know irva's irva's part of irva's mandate is is to kind of look at rv as a as a as an rv thing not an rv and thing i mentioned that earlier and it's gotten us i think branded over time as as being maybe slightly boring um <laughs> points because we're just we're just you know we're sticking to this this narrow topic and applying it in all sorts of directions but but kind of coming back to that thing but i do think that's a really i think it's really important for the for the broader community that's out there um, many of whom will never join um Irva realistically and that's fine uh to you know, you folks as as ambassadors of the community generally out there to, um, you know, help gently move conversations sometimes in the direction of of the actual um, the actual core thing, uh, because there's I think there's a lot of folks out there who stumble into forums and, um, you know, any kind of discussion forum online and they're their first exposure is maybe really super um, complicated things that um, blow their minds and they just, they're done. <laughs> they just, they just leave. Uh, and, and that's, that's just going to happen because we're not, we're not going to censor ourselves all the time um, with wanting to get into to cool stuff, but to maybe make spaces for, for people to, to just come to terms with like what this crazy thing is at all, even at a baseline level um, a little bit and, and help folks with that. Um, that comes to mind anyway, that would be helpful. And of course, you know, send them over because we'd be happy to have them as well. You know, I have a comment. <laughs> um, really, you know, this could have sound so cheesy, but seriously, um, be nice to the new people. Uh, <laughs> um, don't scare them off. Try not to scare them off. Um, but, you know, what, what I'm always looking for, and, you know, I was um, president before John, is I really always wanted that feedback. I didn't want to feel like, you know, we were up in the high castle and we were um, away from uh, the people who are in the field trying to learn and really interested in uh, all things remote viewing. We really wanted to uh, get that input and have you guys um, interact with us and ask uh, questions and give us your input and sort of um, guide us even, like I said, in trying to figure out what kind of educational programs you're interested in so that we're not trying to guess all the time um, what it is that you want and what you need. So we really want more of a two-way street here where um, you guys are interacting more with us and uh, that allows us to interact more with you. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes great sense. Um, it would be, it would be good if some of some of the Irva membership at higher level maybe 
tried to have a bit more online participation. I know you're looking at me. You're looking at me. Because, <laughs> because you know, I, I see comments from you guys occasionally, but you know, there's there's uh, f- free deforming or uh, social media groups alone, let alone the Reddit forum with t- you know ten, fifteen thousand members in it. Um, and there just is none. You know, there is they're pretty much across the main RV boards. And you know, when you add up all those people, you're talking, I don't know maybe 50,000 people there's there isn't a lot of this ever uh publicized or mentioned about Irvine anyway and I'm just being honest on that really yeah, no I'm not here yeah but you know <laughs> I I post a free well four groups so I did read you know post a lot on the reddit now as well if you if you've got any stuff then just chuck it our way um and I think myself and any of the other people here that have Facebook groups and stuff would be more than happy to, to post the stuff up for you mm-hmm you just mm-hmm. have to yeah, I know for me, it's it's been partly that I remember my, my early days of, of, you know, way back in starting out in the community. Um, I did nothing but posting online and and targets and targets and targets and targets. And um, there's that thing that happens initially where you just kind of lose your mind and you're doing it all the time. And I guess later, later in my time, you know, coming up to now, there's sometimes almost like a time budgeting thing. And um, it's, it's atrocious, really, how much time, how much of my RV time, um, Irva admin stuff takes up. And it's not the cool, it's not the cool, uh, it's not the cool part. I'm not like out trying to solve like a, a thing, but that's, that's fair. Like, definitely, we should be visible. Yeah, and as I said, you know, uh, there are quite a few kind of community kind of leaders and, and players here, and I'm sure they'd all be happy to, to help in, in any way that, that we can do this. Yeah. I think those of us who are doing applications work, um, like, you know, I know that I post only on a few uh, venues, but I think putting these results out there from students who are doing applications work, who are getting amazing results, um, I should I, I know myself I should be put, making more of an effort to put that stuff out there I, I feel hesitant about self-promotion but I if it's sort of promoting RV and, and how it can be used like what is there to do after training well there's applications you know to put it out more broadly yeah I mean just speaking for myself with the with the groups that that I run on Facebook and stuff you know I'm happy for you to post is is you know, as much as as you can on on examples of, of remote viewing and stuff, the more we have out there, the better for people to see, really. And that's good to know, too, because I'm a little shy about it. So um, that's good to know. Yeah, I'm I'm happy on my groups. I mean, I did put a post out today, say, uh, because some people were, were advertising training courses, but they weren't making it clear who the person was behind the training course. So I said, you know, if you're going to post training course in the future, it'd be nice if you had a bio about yourself and a link to your website at the very least. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, any other information, uh, I'm sure it'd be great to just post it online. As I said, you know, I am just being honest, I haven't seen a huge amount of impact from Merva on any of those formats. And you should really look at the Reddit one because that is a massively and fast growing community on Reddit there. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd like to also. Sorry. No, that's right. Uh, I was just going to say, I wanted to back up what Daz was saying there, because following in Facebook, a lot of the, uh, every now and then somebody will ask a question, and then 
And then everybody tries to come in with their different opinions. And sometimes arguments break out and things like that. And then I've found when you guys come in and answer something, it's always this wonderful, well-researched answer that kind of ends the arguments. I remember one recently where Paul Smith jumped in and he just said, well, I don't have enough time to describe all of this right now, but let me just in a brief paragraph explain that that is how this aspect of remote viewing works. And then all the arguments just seem to slide away because you guys have so much so much background information just ready to go. It's, it's so wonderful to see posts from you guys. Nice. Does anyone here on video or on the on the chat board there have any other questions they want to ask? Can I ask something? Yeah, go ahead. So um, a lot of people claim to be remote viewers and what they're actually doing is clairvoyance or something else. Um, is there a way for Irva to act as kind of a regulatory or agency for accreditation in the remote viewing field where Irva could... Uh, thoroughly check the credentials and skills of remote viewers and put them on a list or give like a seal of approval where people looking for remote viewers could find them on this list. Is there anything like this in the field or is everything kind of word of mouth? We've, we've kind of, it's come up before um, and on the surface of it, it sounds like it would be great if somebody would, you know, just do that. Um, I think anytime it's come up that the conversations that we've had really quickly led to how complicated that would be to fairly, to fairly administer. And if you couldn't do it fairly, um, that would be like a travesty kind of, you know, to, to even kind of do it. So I, I would never close the door on that because it's it's I certainly wish that something like that existed when I when I was coming in. Um, but it's uh, it's hard. Could I address that a minute? Yeah. Can you hear me? Um, yeah. so in the dog training industry isn't regulated either, and there's a a group, you know, pet professional guild. The way they do it is just a series of questions and if someone's you know applying for membership that that they are they answer them so i mean it could be that simple if if somebody understands basic concepts of remote viewing or crv or whatever you guys come up with that you know yes obviously they've studied they're not just you know talking about channeling or whatever um you might be able to do it without too much trouble yeah, I know this, originally, the, go ahead, Angela. Oh, this this topic has come up many, many times over the years, not just recently. And I think in the very beginning, it was it, perhaps one of the goals of Irva, but um, it's proved to be very difficult to implement because of the multitude of, it's like the original church and then all the churches that split off from the original church. <laughs> you know, that concept, Paul uses that concept. Um, that uh, you're always going to offend somebody um, by bringing in regulation. And uh, it's, it's a tricky and a touchy topic. 
and I don't think we're quite there yet. I totally agree on regulation, but I just meant like a a membership of these these people are um, they've they've tested you know whatever. It's not uh, quite this. Regulation is a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, well, that that's all. that's basically what we thought about was you know some kind of list of people that was that sort of passed the bar <laughs> um yeah. and not even a regulation but um uh you know to but we've always irv has always been promoted as inclusive yes so is. where do you draw the line right right and uh with regulation i was involved in getting massage therapy regulation years back what and I so regret that because it shut people out. You know, it it went in a way that certain schools were approved. You know, so there's a lot of problems with that. But um, yeah. but a basic concept kind of test to say, Irva, you know, these people have passed this little simple Irva, you know, test that they know what remote viewing is or something like that could be a membership level yeah perhaps maybe for the future i think mark said it was going to trying to say something oh um i was just going to chime in so i i i'm part of uh the discord remote viewing group and as along with the um the reddit folks but we've got people who are um championing championing trying to disseminate information to more people and so the individuals having a, um, I, I would call it a discussion with uh, the gatekeepers of Wikipedia, trying to update um, Russell's page to include, you know, like as said by Russell. Um, and so it seems like uh, Irva could be that, that, that group of people who um, kind of stand up for Here's the proper definition. Yes, it's real. And, and anywhere where people go to resources to kind of um, get an understanding where we could actually put a stamp on it, where, where these Wikipedia people are almost kind of like tongue-in-cheek um, trolling us from the, you know, they're like, well, they're, you know, according to who? <laughs> um, it's... There, there could be a whole lot more um, support behind it, especially from an organization such as Irva. That's my two cents. <laughs> okay. So I have to admit, I have not been on that group. and I feel horrible. I, I promised to get on their ASAP uh, so I can see what's happening and uh, add some, add some, uh, add some Irva support there, but yeah, the, the, the battle with Wikipedia has been going on forever. Um, you know, there's no, um, unfortunately anybody can change anybody. At least it used to be this way. Anybody can change anybody's entry. And so it was just, it would get this battle of uh, the editing battle where they, you know, someone would change it, Russell would change it and they'd change it back and Russell would change it and they'd change it back. And, and, you know, it's just this, uh, uh, it's just this uh, beast <laughs> that uh, I don't really know, you know, how to fix. But I get what the, way the, the way the algorithms work on those things, as far as I understand it, is that um, 
you know, the number of people that kind of chime in on, on certain things gives it, gives it a standing. And I think some of the folks who have decided to, you know, for lack of a better word, deface those pages um, are just really good at, you know, gaming that algorithm to, to make that be what comes out. And um, it needs a different response, you know, than just one of us kind of <laughs> doing our one click and then, and then three <laughs> seconds later, it's, yeah, fixed. Hey, yeah, John and Pam, I would I would ask one thing after you know thoroughly looking over the Irva website. I was just wondering if I could chime in for a second, Russell. I had a, a bit of a question. If that's all right, it's Rose um, up here. Um, I just Rose, want to ask Rose. about uh, yeah. Uh, could you, uh, Russell was speaking. Could you just wait till he's finished saying well, what you said? I was waiting to speak till John Cook finished. It, Daz, it's okay. It's okay, Dad. Uh, All right, Rose, I've been, go ahead. I had my mic off for a couple of seconds, and I just um, been waiting. So, um, I mean, that's okay. I mean, if Russell wants to speak, you know, just, say to it. just go ahead. Rose, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. It's all right. Rose, are are, are you going to ask? Go ahead, Russell. Well, I think this has, you know, been a problem since I joined this group, and I'm, I feel like I'm not being allowed to say anything. I mean, I waited until a second when John Cook stopped talking, and I tried to jump in. Well, why don't you just I'm say the, what you have to say, lady? Who are you? Who are you yelling at me? Why are you yelling at me? Who are you? Rose, look, if you have something to ask, please ask it. Okay, um, well, I wanted to ask about this regulation idea at IRVA because I have just decided that I am done with the church because of these kinds of things, these kinds of battles. And I don't know if you really want to start this kind of thing in your community when you don't have to. <laughs> um, I kind of like this community because it's very unregulated and uh, creative and there's a lot of room for people who have different ideas. And once you start having regulations and rules, it starts to turn into what's going on between the conservatives and the liberals. You know, in both the church and the United States and around the world right now, you just get polarization, you get you caused yourself a lot of strife. And so I thought I would just chime in right now before people start making these kinds of decisions because I'm walking away from that. I do not want that anymore in my life. I want to talk about the real things, about the spirituality, about uh, the important things, not about the rules and who's the best or who, you know, passed the test. Um, so that's all I wanted to say. I just, I don't know if you feel the same way. If you've even thought about the fact that people might be able to use these skills to do evil, which is what I'm dealing with. I live in a city, Toronto, where people are using the skills that you're teaching and they have ganged and turned themselves into a gang and they are stalking people and hurting them. And I need to know how to protect myself and, trying to figure it out. I'm trying to learn from you and I've learned so much and I really so appreciate that you guys are putting this 
information out there because it has helped me amazingly. And I think if you start trying to do this, like to be a church, you're going to ruin your organization. So just a word of caution. Thanks for yeah, letting me that's a, that's a, you know, that's a fair point, Rose, because um, I have... I have a background in the church um, and I've thought many, many times that some, some of the kinds of conflicts that we see in the remote viewing community uh, definitely have this kind of flavor of, um, you know, doctrinal purity and, uh, you know, debates and um, personalities and, and so on. So I, I hear where you're coming from with, with that. And I guess on the flip side, as much as I was just saying, I don't know how we would even, you know, do, oversight of, of stuff. On the flip side, um, you know, if there ever was a way to do it, uh, it, you know, it might stop some of those types of abuses. Um, so it's kind of a, there's a, there's a tension, there's a tension there. I, I'd love to see less, uh, less awful out there. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's something to think about. Thanks, because um it has caused me, I mean, so many wasted years. I put so much time into these groups, these church groups, and uh, now it's like, um, it's sort of like just all evaporating because there was really nothing there except the rules. <laughs> there was nothing real going on, and I'm really not too happy about that. And I find what's going on here with you, with you guys is real. And nobody's perfect. You guys are not perfect. I'm not perfect. But what you're doing is real. And that's amazing. Because so many people in the world are living a lie and trying to promote their lie and push it. And that's not what you're doing. And it's valuable. And I, I want to see it grow. And I want to see it develop and, and um, be a beautiful thing. That's what I've been trying that's to do all dogma. my life. That's dogma, really, you know. What's yeah. dogma? But, well, those kind of issues, I guess, kind of bring up that that sort of um, feel, right? I think that's what you're saying. That's good, to, good stuff to think about. Yeah, I just am looking for real people who are telling the truth. And I think I found it here. And that's what I want to do. And that's what I want to be. So thank you. Yay. <laughs> I like that. Russell, like you were. Thank you. You got something. Yeah, one thing I wanted to ask, um, so when you look at the current Irva website, what you notice is a significant absence of Ingo Swan. So Ingo has no header title under any of the menus. And then when you go to the bottom menus, under RV history and RV timeline, you find eight mentions of his name and then when you go to education and documentation, under RV-related links, you find one quiet little link to Ingo's current website. Hmm. So, <clears throat> I mean, if you weren't looking for or didn't know about Ingo, he would be essentially completely absent to a new person or even people, you know, somewhat familiar so to me, and I am famous for being a hard-headed originalist, and, and I'll take all the blame for that because I'm going to fight that battle to the death. 
there was an original moment in time where remote viewing did not exist. And then there was a moment that did. And there were real people involved in real historical events that brought about the first quote unquote certified or government endorsed <clears throat> window of perception that changed all of our lives, all of our lives. Everybody sitting here who's participated in it and had a good session has had their lives transformed. Some people are making uh, income supporting themselves and I'm not saying anybody's getting rich, I understand that, but, but there's a history here. So when I look at International Remote Viewing Association and there's an essential absence of Ingo Swan, I, I would have to ask myself why? What, how, how could he just slip completely out of view in such a way on the very thing he at least co-created? Now he himself, um, just as Ellie said the other day, he didn't like the term father of remote viewing. He credited how almost in more ways than he credited himself. He credited Tom McNear with essentially being a better viewer than himself. And in numerous occasions, he's credited, usually the number he seems to use is 500 people um, fully with remote viewing. So if there's going to be some, I, I guess, brand or history or acknowledgement mm -hmm. of Ingo, I, I would say that the place for that, even if it's just one headline to his current website. And then from there, people can decide if they're interested. Um, but, but the way it's listed way down there um, under several categories and then one quiet yeah. little line. Yeah. You know, who, I don't who, think, uh, to be honest, I don't think I realized that. I actually didn't um, either. It, it was definitely not an intentional thing. Oh, no, no. I, I don't think it's intentional. And like I said, I, I've taken a lot of heat. I've upset a lot of people. I try to bring people back to certain fundamentals. The other thing I didn't see, and maybe it's linked there, but I also didn't see a link to either Tom McNear's uh, original working notes on remote viewing or the CRV manual itself. And I, I acknowledge the, the other uh, evolutions of remote viewing but but it seems like the foundational documents, the two foundational documents, would also have some presence on the Irvis site. Can I ask you something, Russell, about, about Ingo? Thank you for bringing that up, Russell. And the last time I was visiting Ingo, uh, he brought out a clay model that Tom McNear had done. That mm -hmm. was one of his most treasured things that he kept. Yeah. Uh, thank you for bringing that up. In, in Can I ask? Sure, go I ahead. I want to ask you, Russell, I wonder what you think of this, because, I mean, I also found that Ingo was not the first person that came up when I started looking into remote viewing. I mean, I, he really didn't come up until I found you guys. So, and I've felt, I have to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I have a feeling of Ingo being around and he's, his awareness is with you in what you're doing. And I think part of the fact that you're so sort of entangled with him, Russell, is that he's very much with you. So um, I'm not trying to do a reading, but what I'm saying is I feel that maybe he himself is orchestrating the fact that he's not as prominent. And it seems to me that's kind of the way he was, even from the little bit that I know him, is that he wasn't about himself. So I'm wondering if you think that this is something he's doing himself, 
No, I, I, I would, there's no way I could get into a mystical analysis or a subjective assessment. Um, you know, is a person's spirit encapsulated in their words? Sure, I've read everything Ingo's ever written. Um, is he actually present? <laughs> if I were him, I would be far off doing something else, okay? That's just a personal opinion. But Ellie, uh, his niece mentioned the other day in her talk, um, you know, some people have had these kind of counters, so, uh, encounters. I wouldn't rule it out. I'll just make a self-confession. I am just self-preferentially an originalist, at least to start. So if I want to understand the Bible, I literally went and hand wrote out the entire New Testament to understand it. And then from there, I evolved my own ideas on it. So in regards to re remote viewing, um, it's, it's just the same for me. I, I think if I'm going to rebuild a house, I, I should inspect the foundation. So it's a personal bias. I, I can't say I'm being led by this, that, or the other. And I understand Ingo's weaknesses, changes of mind, uh, sometimes being a little snippy, to say the least, various other things. There's no yeah, sense of worshiping Ingo or looking at Ingo as some sort of spiritual master or anything. I just stick to the notion. Before I'm going to remodel a house, I'm going to inspect the foundation. And, and so you're... Uh, question is a, is a good one and and it's just simply something i couldn't answer nor would i endeavor once it gets so you know mystical or or, or subtle like that i i just i, I wouldn't make a decision but this you. is what i like about you guys you're so honest and if you don't know something you say it you don't try to pretend i love that but this is exactly the kind of place i want to be i think more people need to have this kind of openness where they can just be free not to know everything and they can ask dumb questions and you know how do I mean the kind of forum where we can just all relax you know and be ourselves I like this place I like you guys well, thanks Russell. Thank you, can, I, can I just can I jump sure. in here quick um so it's a great point Russell and this is exactly you're actually proving my point right now of how Irva wants this insight because you know we get so caught up in the nuts and bolts of trying to keep her running and all the all of the tasks that that take that that certain things might get lost that we're not seeing the bigger picture so for you to um, point that out to me is actually very very helpful so um, that's why we want input from the community because we may be missing something. And so we are completely open to having that kind of input. Yeah. And then one other thing I want to clarify, I didn't jump in when Don was talking. It was actually me that was speaking to Don the other day uh, about you and the way you keep your toolkit um, separate. Yeah. But when Don was asking about channeling, I said, you separate your mediumship. So I remember, and I was actually a, uh, part of that one or a similar one that we all got that case you were very intensely emotionally involved in because I remember you telling me oh my god you drove the car or what you know whatever it was um so when you helped me sort out like one time I, I had some data and then you kind of said uh gee it almost sounds like you have a little bit of mediumship going on and then you taught me the difference between a, a you know, bubbling EI column versus a quieter EI column, I would have thought the bubbling one meant the person was alive. Mm 
and the quiet one would mean they were deceased. And so there was lots of differentiation. So I may not have explained it very well to Don, um, but I was just trying to tell him how you, when you do this fun or when you use this tool, you don't blur it with other tool. And then when you oh, use I'm appreciating that, your clarification right now, Russell. Thank yeah. you very much. Yes, well, no, thank you, Russell. <laughs> What's that? Don said he, he appreciates your, your helping well, add clarity to this. Yeah, no, we had a really nice visit the other day on Zoom. And, uh, you know, as one who has taken six months of your training, it, uh, it, it's the most economical, in my opinion. It's the most personal and intimate, the live feedback. But for me, the thing I'll always be grateful for is learning where CRV is useful for me. And that was more in... Um, the description, environmental description, I found out, obviously, as you know, with my track record on dead or alive, it was horrible, even beyond chance horrible. <laughs> so, you know, it, it helped me look at where CRV works for me, where these other modalities are not my, you know, niche or whatever. But the biggest thing, and to this day, it will be the, the uh, learning to work front-loaded mm -hmm. and I remember just coming out of Paul's classes and then all of a sudden seeing a picture of the person I'm supposed to and I see a map of California in the background and I see a ski emblem on their jacket and my mind's like okay they ski so where can you ski in California and that's where you know crazy stuff and and so you know if people aren't familiar with with your uh, personal work and the advantages I, I would just reiterate that right now for everybody. Anyways, thank you. And Rose, thank you for your comments. You're welcome. On the, uh, on the Ingo thing, I, yeah, I do think um, it would be good to add some Ingo stuff, but I guess the problem that you guys may have uh, running the website is where do you, where do you stop and who do you not include? You know, because you know, there are many luminaries. I mean, we know Ingo, you know, he was, you know, he was when the father, as we know, that, that kind of came up with most of this. But, you know, there are many other people, you know, Hela Hamid, uh, Joe McMoneagle, Pat Price. You know, if we include one, do we have to include all the others and have all those? And then with the methods as well, I guess your problem you'd have is if you put the CRV manual on there, which one would you put on there? How many would you put on there? Would you have the other methods people then want in their, you know, their methods on there as well? So it would open up a whole quagmire of, uh, yeah, different things that you guys would have to look at, I guess. And the, the website itself, um, in spite of the fact that we've got this, you know, really cool new makeover to it and it's been rebuilt, the content really hasn't changed in, in years and years and years. And when, when John Stoller rebuilt the website for us, um, he wasn't really you know, reimagining it particularly he was kind of just updating it and moving everything over so some some of these kind of um definitely deficiencies are probably just have been yeah. there for a really long time and i think um it's a good note to take to look yeah at i think under the history it would be good to have uh pages or a, a, you know at least paragraphs for each of the uh the main people that we all recognize contributed quite a lot to the uh the field yeah. that we have today yeah it, and, and it could even be broken up like, you know, it, 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 true history, almost sequential. So you could have Stargate members and little bios on Mel and Lynn and, and Paul. 
um, you know, so you could, you know, maybe founders, original Stargate members, yeah. you know, how, however, there, there's a way to do it. But, but the thing, you know, that I always have to acknowledge is, and I'm incredibly grateful for, deeply grateful, is that without Ingo and Hal and those 500 people, you know, Ed Dames takes a, a, a rough trip sometimes, but he did fight to get this out into the public without Lynn, without Paul, without these people who fought and, and they went through horrible battles to get over government resistance, whatever other kind of resistance, personal resistance. And if it weren't for them, we people can't imagine the absence of something sometimes, but if it weren't for these people, we wouldn't have it. We wouldn't know in this trainable, repeatable, verifiable manner that we can perceive more than with just our body. We wouldn't, we just wouldn't know it. We'd still be reading mysticism. We'd still be doing everything. If this had not been formulated and fought for and, and brought into public view. So, so I think of Mel and, and Lynn and Paul, all, I look at what they've done. They, if they didn't care or if they stopped or if the law, the law came down on them and you can't say a word, we wouldn't know about this. We wouldn't be having this conversation. There would be no Irva website, you know? So I'm always interested in what was the bridge from here to there. So there's gotta be a way to line it out. And, you know, Daz has that incredible uh, remote viewing history chart that shows you this and then this person learned from here and then they went there mm -hmm. and then went there. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's some there's some mechanism, and since I'm the one, you know, bringing it up, if there's any volunteer work, including, you know, licking stamps that would supplement or contribute to the solution, I'll I'll put myself on the line here. Writing that down. Write okay. that down. So I'm I've got his email address, so. Bribe <laughs> Daz to edit it out, but. That was uh, anyway. 5.02 p.m. Central Time. Just add that to there your There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Noted. Anyways, thanks, everybody, for tolerating another one of my tirades. No, it was good. A very calm tirade. It's fine. <laughs> any of you guys have any other questions you want to ask? I just want to thank uh, Russell for making it sound heroic. The fact is, there's no way I could live without doing it. And so it was... I guess self-preservation more than anything else, and Paul's the same way. So am I. Yeah. Go ahead with your question. Yeah, um, I have a question, and I hope I don't offend anybody. Um, so by saying that, maybe I shouldn't ask, but uh, I'll pref preface this by saying. Um, you know, I'm, I guess I consider myself a spiritualist. I believe in a lot of woo-woo, right? But do you feel like, I mean, when you do remote viewing, obviously that opens up a world of possibility because for the first time, potentially, you realize that um, there's more out there than what you were led to believe in a secular manner, right? But do you feel, and it's more like a philosophical question, but do you feel like it's a double-edged sword for remote viewing where because it is so intertwined into the woo-woo that it's going to have a difficult and uphill climb to be recognized as a, an actual factual thing that people can do? 
uh, should there be a separation or um, not from, sure from quite what I'm asking, but yeah, but do you get what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, is that an issue that you find for the future of remote viewing? I guess is my question. I, I think so. I don't know how we, how we work with it, but I, I think so. And that's kind of, and I, I keep coming back to it, but that's that, that point on the one slide a while ago where it said that, you know, we try to be as an organization about RV, not RV and, because um, I think the credibility, um, not to say that some of these ands, you know, are just totally not credible and whatever else, but this is a big pill for, to ask somebody to swallow when, when they come in and, and you present just the basic, you know, fact of, you know, um, non-local awareness uh, to somebody, that is a big ask. Um, and people can go, you know, run off and do all sorts of stuff, but I, I feel like my personal mission, you know, is to try to, to, to kind of coax these people as I had to be coaxed to, to realize that this is a real thing. And some, some kind of the extra stuff scares people off. Um, so it's certainly fine that people are off doing it, the, the extra um, stuff, but I feel like there, there really needs to be a place for this kind of, um, you know, just come, come a little closer and we're just going to talk to you about one thing at a time, you know, kind of, kind of approach. I, could I address that for M2 a little bit? Uh, if you come back next week, you'll hear Gail and uh, she's doing actual work and almost everything she does has non-disclosure agreements. Uh, I had the same thing with businesses, with the space exploration people, uh, with uh, uh, research and development people and all that. And so the, the thing is, it is getting out there and it is proving itself and it is being trusted more and more. The, uh, but if you only look at the, the fluff and the woo-woo that's on the Facebook and all that and the arguments, then you're going to see that, you know, uh, like Rich said, this is a problem. But the fact is, uh, very quietly, it's getting out there. And I'm sure Angela does this. Paul does this. Uh, Pam does this. Uh, um, you know, just very quietly working, not reporting either because you can't legally or, or whatever. And so, yeah, it's it's developing and it's developing. It's proving itself. And uh, Kyle had a question too. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to take up the time. Yeah, Thank you, a guys. Lot of what, a lot of what I do, I don't have. Um, I know the gentleman up there wants to, Junk wants to ask a question too. <laughs> um, but I just wanted to make a point that not all I do has non-disclosure. So I put out as much as I can of the, um, the work that I do. So that's all I wanted to say is I'm really pushing for applications and putting my work out there. So I know that Junk, I don't know how you pronounce your name. He wanted to ask a question. He keeps putting his hand up. <laughs> uh, first of all, I wanted to say that at any time in history, Lynn is speaking, I will wait. Please, Lynn, keep talking. What I have to say is so insignificant to what you people with so much experience have to say. 
Um, so I kind of joined Irva last week. I had been familiar with him a few years past when I got the free offer with Paul's book. My teacher in 2012, uh, Paul Elder, who's from really the Monroe Institute, told me about them or I found them on the internet. But I prepared my question properly here. Um, so first of all, huge thanks uh, for just starting properly with Irva and, and how and what it does. If you're a nobody, I, I don't mean to say I'm a nobody, but if you're anybody, uh, to come in and have access to this information is phenomenal. Now, um, to quickly knock off my points, my second point is, is can we somehow talk uh, Joseph McMonagall to coming in? Because, of course, I noticed uh, recently, I think a couple years ago, there was an APP conference or something with Marty R or other people like that. Great, fantastic. And I, I literally will bow down and kiss Tom McNair's teeth or his feet or whatever. But in other words, it's nice to see Tom there. And of course, the first thing I did when I got into Irv's files was zoom into everything I could. I've got, I don't know how to say it, but I actually have memorized everything up to 2006. And now I'm, I'm working my way up to 2020. So it's, it's really, really, really important information. Of course, it's fantastic to see Ingo there. Um, but if somehow we could manage to, like, I know who Marty R is because I saw those previous videos. It, it, and I, I know that it's good that there's a million different movements going on at the same time. But I just hope that people don't all go in one direction or a lot of people go in one direction they don't even know that there's a public library around the corner that's packed, that's loaded with info. So again, if we could, if someone could hoop Joe or fly in or get him on a camera or something. So anyways, back to this. Um, I, I propose or I suggest a little, uh, little small section in other languages. And I actually volunteer for the Spanish language section. So at least there can be the basic introduction you know, if you're familiar with Tom McMair's uh, video he did for the uh, Visionary Museum, where he kind of explains uh, how, what remote viewing is, and then he, he runs you through. It's only a 15-minute video, but that really makes it clear for people that just have no idea, or they have ideas that are, you know, extended or out there. So if you would like a video in Spanish, I'd love to work on it and get it done. If you'd like to have some sort of uh, simple introduction or at least something for the, uh, what I know personally now as the French speakers and the Spanish speakers, because we've got some, what in Canada we say ass kickers. We have some really good remote viewers in France. And I guess you guys know that way better than I do. And it would be so, so great if this could extend into Mexico, because as a country, we need it bad. So um, now to my next point, and I'm almost done. Basically, I'm asking if anyone has um, taken a serious effort uh, towards a world campaign to get everybody doing CRV. And now I'm very, very familiar with all of the public videos that are on, on YouTube because I collect them and, and I collect as much information as I can. But um, I have some experience in mass movements and I, I'm afraid to tell you what it is but I used to document one and participate in it. And I would like to suggest to the lady that um, was talking before when uh, Russell and that lady were speaking issues on the point of religions and the importance of having almost what you could say a morality filter is that if you're going to have a, a really big movement, which is what I'm looking for, because I would like to see 
crime eliminated in Mexico. Like, in other words, I have really crazy ideas. But I've seen that it's movements, powerful, big movements, start exactly and move exactly as Lynn said. They really are um, each one teach one, moving quietly and moving slowly, and they have to start at the grassroots at the bottom. I quite often say, well, we need to get... Um, Joe Rogan to do CRV, or we need to get Banksy to do uh, RV. And then I found out there is a video where he is trying to do it. And of course it kind of didn't work properly, but I think it's quite easy to express the necessary information to people, how to start and do a session. And then I would even say do 28 practice sessions. So it's consolidated and very, very clear. But uh, the each one teach one is starting at the grassroots is essential but i'm kind of curious because you guys really know your history has anyone tried like a world campaign and i started teaching at a a, a mcdonald's style english school in mexico city where they had 80 different schools in many of the big cities and they were teaching people how to teach again much the way a mcdonald's school would and that they put you in a course for a month or two months or whatever and then you're a teacher and all this so my interest is that this access to this extremely important information that can protect people, that can stop criminals, that can make the society a little more of a just place. That's kind of what's flowing through in my mind. I already know what I have to do and I didn't come here to bother you guys. I'm just kind of interested in, in, in seeing and knowing what you know. And with that, uh, I'm very happy to say I've finished my points. So again, thank you very much. Sorry, in Mexico, this means thank you. Oh, cool. Thank you. The, uh, I like the idea of, uh, of language videos, you know, basic introductory language videos, and I feel like we should do that. Um, one thing, this is, this is definitely not uh, as good as what you're describing, but let me show you something really quick about the website that I had forgotten and I could have pointed out today, but I missed it. I'm gonna put it up on the screen. Am I sharing that now properly? Yeah. Yep. Um, one of the cool things that John Stoller uh, did when he set this up, and this is only machine translation, so you know it's easily crap as far as translation goes, but any page that you're on, so if we get ourselves to the, get ourselves to the about page, um, and here's our story. Up in this corner, you got the little globe. Doesn't have any labels on it, but if you bring it up, it is gonna do a uh, machine translation on the fly of like the entire, the entire page. And the number of languages, I feel like if I was like a native Slovenian speaker and I read this, I'd probably be like horrified <laughs> if I did the Slovenian thing, but it's probably helpful. Like, and I, and I don't think we've pointed it out enough to people that it does this now. Uh, it was one of the cool things about the new platform because the old the old page was just not not capable of that. But um, I think I think that's a cool thing. But I also think that like having a, a native speaker be able to explain the basics and have some videos in there would be really cool. Oh, uh, John. Also, many of the people who have books that are listed there, yeah, also have the books in other languages. Oh, that's totally true. Uh, I know and, mine. And we're only showing the one probably, right? That's right, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah. I know mine is uh, in uh, Romanian 
and Italian as well. And uh, uh, we'll be coming out in German and Japanese. And I think Paul has several of his books in different languages. Uh, I'm 99% sure that Pam has as well. Not mine. Really? <laughs> no. No, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Nail your publisher. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's a good point, though. It's a good point. And I like the idea of some intro videos, maybe in um, a few of the, the popular languages. So it's a good idea. Well, I like that idea of going out, you know, promoting to the world. And I think one of the good things that's come out of this isolation we've been in is Zoom. Because now on Zoom, we're meeting people from all over the world, not just the few select people that can come to our location to, to learn. But, um, you know, um, people from, from Greece, from Russia, from Japan, from the Philippines, you know, these people are now coming in on Zoom and encountering remote viewing. And I think that is one of the, the positives that's come out of this whole experience we've been through. And on a related note, somewhere way up in the chat, I recall it going by somebody asking about whether we have or considered having like chapter chapter organizations. Um, and that is absolutely on the table. Um, and we've talked about it some, uh, I think with everything with the nightmare of the last year with conferences and, and whatnot, we, some of that didn't get moved on very quickly. Um, but um, yeah, having like chapters set up in places would be, is something we've already talked about and we're definitely on board with that. Something I, uh, I noticed when I was looking for the videos the other day is um, a lot of them are very verbal, um, which means that yeah, I don't need to see them as video. Is there any chance in the future you can just convert them to uh, MP3s that I could download and listen to? Like the talks. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, the, the video talks that you have from the conferences, because a lot of them are, you know, like the Ingo ones, he doesn't show any slides or anything. So you don't need to be watching it. It could be just auditory um and it'd be great if all the talks were available as you know mp3 files that i could have, have and I, whilst i was doing the other things around the home decorating mm -hmm. or whatever i could then be educating myself by listening to them interesting it's a good point <clears throat> sorry like more work for you though <laughs> to rich's point <laughs> yes um i always like rich's questions when he was asking about the <clears throat> separation from fundamentals to woo-woo. Ingo actually addressed this in an interview uh, with Art Bell, where he said part of the problem, and, and maybe Lynn could confirm or deny this, but in the unit, once people opened up that window, they didn't just see the tree, other things started to come through that window. And maybe certain people, maybe uh, certain agencies weren't prepared for that, but if you're going to open the window of perception, there's all kinds of things that might come into view. So I'll, I'll go out on a limb a little bit and just explain, you know, Paul's handling of this. Um, he himself has done every kind of bizarre session, ET, moon, Mars, underground bases, everything under the sun. But when it comes to his uh, 
class and to these other um, initial contacts, he drives people back to their ABCs. And, and it has to be that way. So like for me, you know, um, at the end of uh, basic, he forbade me to even read about or touch stage four between basic and intermediate because he knew I was, you know, going to chomp at the bit. Now, I don't particularly have any interest in esoteric or weird sessions. I've never done one to my knowledge. Um, but it's hard. Like so many new people that tried it for their first few times have contacted me in private message or something, and they, they've had a weird experience or an unsettling experience or a perception they weren't ready for. So it's a fine line. So in the more public groups, if people are talking about these things at one level, it could be of assistance, but at another level, it could be a deterrent. So there's a very fine line there, in my opinion, Rich. But if we completely exclude, so, you know, like Paul's theory, okay, so you want to go remote view something that's subtle in another planet or another solar system, but you haven't proven to me yet you can correctly describe a 12-story building sitting right there in front of yeah. you in your feedback photo. So, and then, you know, where Lynn talks about in his training, um, you know, building that record of accuracy, why would I try to describe a whisper in the wind when I can't correctly describe a 12-story building that weighs, you know, God knows how many tons. So I, I think it's a tough, a tough line to draw if, if people aren't prepared for maybe some unusual experiences and they think it's all just nuts and bolts, you know, so there's probably no answer to that, but the diversity of the groups. So, you know, Paul kind of, when he started this group, it wasn't to compete or take people from other groups at all, because I helped him set it up. His intent was he just wanted a, a less crazy place for new people to land. And he's even asked me, don't, you know, put a bunch of weird stuff out there, or, you know, I know you're interested in this, that, the other, as are other people. But so he kind of narrowed the channel there. But then you go to what I call the Wild West group, and then you go to Daz's group, which is, you know, maintained as a fine balance. So somewhere in that spectrum, pe people will find their place. I am all for new people. Just you, look, you should just be practicing stage one, stage two, stage three relentlessly until you know the structure. And then if you want to do something else later, do it. But don't do it until you can, you know, do the fundamentals. Last thing, Angela, there you are. <clears throat> when you put out a <clears throat> permission, for instance, <clears throat> of that one session that you did uh, for Gaia TV, you, you, I don't know if you realize how much interest that generated. People are totally thirsty. Um, I think back to when um, Joff was in your... Um, uh, your advanced uh, or your master's class, I think it's called. And uh, a couple of the clay models there from, uh, I think it was Steve or and Kamara and Joff or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. people, people want to see that. They want to see that stuff bad. And so I know you're not into self-promotion. I try to promote you. I try to promote Pam. Yeah, and you I do post those, um, yeah. but um, they're very, you know, only a few limited sites, but I'm going to be, Posting yeah. things a little more wild, widely. But, but anything tangible, I mean, these people are, are craving to see just something fundamental and applicable. 
So when I, you know, yeah. tell the story of meeting you and you being my first monitor or the, the benefits I received from Pam, you, if you guys were less reserved about promoting yourself, nobody's going to think you're selfish or egotistical. And certainly we both know you're not in this to get rich, right? right. <laughs> I think, I think putting your, your stuff out there, I have more comments from post uh, when Pam posted my uh, uh, intermediate certificate, that got like 190 yeah. responses. Yeah. Uh, posted those things uh, uh, related to Gaia. You look at the number of people, the number of questions, the emails, the PMs I had. And then the same with when Gail posted that uh, technology um, session on trying to so solve the uh, radiation leak from the submarine off Norway. So Joff put out his work, which was incredible. Uh, so so I, I really, I wouldn't hesitate to, to do that. And anybody that knows you isn't going to think anything of it, except for here's people who have earned over decades their reputation, their professionalism, their impact on God knows how many human beings. But it really does give something well, for people to stand on. Thanks, Russell. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'll be doing more of that. Yeah, we'll stand up a little more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the ten, you know, the tension there is that it, it's it's kind of natural that people, when they first come in, want to do the crazy stuff right away and not not um, eat the vegetables, so to speak. Because um, you tell somebody, you tell somebody, well, we got this, this sort of skill that you can learn and you can look anywhere. And, and find out about anything. And they're like, well, I'll tell you what I want to know about. <laughs> and, and off it goes. Um, mm -hmm. And I think we all had that at the, and then the second thing is, is it, well, I'm going to win the lottery now, which. Um, the third thing is people not wanting to do the work. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I see a lot of people who want to uh, go from zero to 60 without putting in all of the blood, sweat and tears. And um, there's no shortcut. You have to be able to, um, focus and do the work. And I always feel like I'm telling people to floss their teeth, you know, but, um, <laughs> but, um, but really it's, it's learning by doing and, and you can sit and talk about it all day long and, and uh, all of that, but it's the sitting down and doing sessions for yourself and uh, putting in the work. That's where, uh, that's where you're going to have all the very cool experiences. Okay, guys, we're running at two and a half hours at the moment. Has anyone got any last last few questions or, or comments they want to ask uh, Pam or John? Just want to say you've done great work with the site, you guys. And uh, thank you for keeping Irva going. Thank you, Tamara. Yeah, I agree on that. Uh, I've been a, I have been a, um, uh, a bit problematic further in the past i've had my uh, <laughs> my negative comments about you know, and you know i have been a member over the last 20 years on and off over periods of time um but i do think that there have been some very uh friendly and serious changes over the last few years which make it better in my opinion so you know i joined back up again and i'm enjoying the resources so thank you for that thank you, you. <laughs> Okay, then, so I guess, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Wanna, okay, I just want to say what I think you guys are doing is incredibly, 
admirable. I don't even think you realize like how incredibly cool you are to put yourself out there like this and give this to people. What you're giving is people don't even realize the importance of it now. So I just want to say that. Um, thank you for doing this and putting yourselves out there like this. Thanks for that, Rose. Uh, and thank you, John and Pam, for giving your time up for us and for everyone else that came along tonight to ask the questions as well. It's been a really interesting talk. Thanks for thank you, me. guys. Yeah, and just, you know, as we said, just reach out to us if you want us to help in any way at all as, a, as like a, a community. Um, we're there for you guys. Excellent. Well, we'll leave it there then. Thanks, guys, for all coming. And next week, it's Gail Husik and Alexis Champion talking about their RV businesses. So that would be a really good talk as well. Excellent. Talk. Thank you, Des. Thanks for coming. Uh, I'm going to close this now. You'll have a good weekend. And Thanks, I should Des. see you soon. Take Fair care, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Signal Line, a remote viewing podcast. Don't forget to check out remoteviewed.com for remote viewing resources or our videos on YouTube under Remote Viewed. Remote Viewed.